Let's lift our hands. Yeah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you today. And Lord, for many of us, coming into your house today is an oasis, Father, where we get to remind ourselves of your goodness, where we get to receive of your Holy Spirit, where we receive refreshing for the time of need. Lord, we pray, Father, that you do something in our hearts increasingly on Sundays to stir up a hunger to seek after you on Monday, to seek after you on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to live for you every day of our lives. Lord, that we would be able to worship you when we're going through the difficulties midweek, just like we can worship you when we're in your house together with the brethren and the sisters. Lord, we pray, Father, that you'd move in our hearts to worship you, whatever we're facing, whatever circumstance, whatever trial, because we know that you're good. Father, today, I ask for your anointing, Lord, to be upon the preaching of the word. Lord, that today your people would be ministered to, that they would receive strength, that they would receive a way forward to see your name glorified in their lives. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord right now. Thank you so much to the team for, your work, for their worship. Do take your seats, and um, I want us to keep a, a, an intentionality in our worship because we will be coming back to worship like we did last week. At the end of the service last, time, last week, we had a great time in the presence of God as God began to move upon people and release them in, into a fresh hunger for the things of God. And how many of you have found yourself praying more since last Sunday? Give me a bit of a wave. Fantastic. Great to see so many people responding to the word of the Lord last week. And I really want to encourage you this week. We're looking at the message, God always has a plan. And that's recognizing that in any situation that we're facing, whatever we're looking at, whatever trial we might find ourselves in, that God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. Now, when we came together last week, we began to address the issue of a spiritual thirst and the need to hunger after the things of God. And it's not always this way, but it does happen that we get led into desert experiences from time to time in order to recognize our state, in order to recognize that earnest need that we have for the things of God. And last week we addressed the issue that so many of us live in a reality of life where everything is on tap. We've forgotten about the earnest search for God. In the same way that in times past we would have had to go searching for our daily water and our daily bread, we would also be called to go searching after our spiritual living water, our spiritual bread. Yet because we've got so accustomed to simplicity and ease of access in our physical life, we've forgotten what it's like to go after God in the spiritual things. And I put it out to you that to know God, to walk in the knowledge of God, is the key to living the Christian life. God wants us to know him more. He wants us to walk in deep relationship with him and to catch a revelation of who he is. So today, we're going to try and narrow the field and, and look at the idea of the trial. Sometimes a desert experience can feel like a trial. It can feel like a test. It can feel like a difficulty that we are facing and that we need to go through. And I feel that a lot of people would do very well to catch a little glimpse of why they find themselves in these recurring situations so that they know the action steps that they can take to move forward with God. Now, trials affect us in many different ways. Some people today perhaps are struggling with sickness 
And we want to stand alongside and encourage and pray for and intercede for healing and restoration in the lives of those that are struggling. Some are facing persecution in the workplace or in the home. Some are facing a time of famine or of lack in their personal lives and looking to God for him to provide. And God has something to say in all of these different situations that we're facing. Psalm 3, I'm going to read the entirety of the psalm uh, to give us a context today. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Now that they right there is both spiritual and physical. It is possible for physical people to trouble you as well as it is possible for the forces of the enemy to trouble you. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. That first verse there speaks specifically about the trial. How they have increased those who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. And I wonder, have you ever found yourself in that place where you felt you were so cut off from everybody, they were all against you, and more than that, they had cut off your reliance on God. There is no help with God, they say to you. You know, sometimes uh, we as people maybe can be a a little bit selfish. This happens sometimes. Have you ever walked up to a person and seen that they're not doing well? And ask that question, how are you doing? Hoping that they will do what every good Christian person does and say, I'm fine, thank you. What we really don't want them to do is to say, well, actually, you know what? I'm really going through a really difficult time right now and I could do with some encouragement. I could do with some support. We really don't want them to say that because we're going to end up sitting down and having to have a long pastoral conversation or a difficult conversation with them. And you know what? Really, we've just got too many other things to focus on. But every single one of us goes through a trial or a circumstance where we need somebody to sit and listen and help us reconnect with God. We need somebody who's going to sit down and take that time to encourage us how to begin to step out of the trial. And so today my goal is to equip us with some knowledge of a trial situation so that all of us can not only be equipped ourselves when we face difficulty, but be able to help others when they're facing difficulty. So I want to structure an understanding of a trial here today. And I'm not going to pretend to have all of the answers. It's not possible at all for me to have all the answers. God is the one who has the answers. But I want us to understand some principles that are woven through Scripture which will help us. My aim is not to diminish your struggle, but it is to empower you so that you can pursue Christ in the situation that you are facing. So let's look at this visually. Every single trial has a beginning. And I'm going to try and come over here when I'm talking about beginnings. Okay? 
Every trial has a beginning. Every trial has a middle. And every trial has an end. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get into a trial and feel like, you know what, this is the end. I'm not going to make it through to the other side. I'm not going to be able to see the victory of God in my life because we get so focused on that middle part. We're going to unpack that a bit more shortly. We have the beginning, the middle, and the end. And every trial has within it people. People. You. Might be your friends and your family. It might be your enemies. And one person that we really need to make sure we understand is involved in this situation is God. And every person in the trial has a specific role that God is calling us to fulfill. And it's really important that we understand every trial has a beginning, a middle, and an end. We are in that trial and we have a role to play. And when we get our roles correct, we will begin to see our trial moving forward in the right context. You see, sometimes we end up in a difficult situation. Maybe it wasn't our fault. Maybe it was our fault. Maybe we did something stupid, or maybe we did something accidentally. But we find ourselves in the middle of a difficulty, and things can begin to get turned upside down pretty quickly. Maybe you said something, or a few words came out of your mouth that you did not intend to say, and yet now they're out there, and people have heard them, and they're responding to the words that you've put into that environment. There's broken relationship beginning to happen. People are beginning to turn against you. And it can get to the point where we feel, you know what, this is the trial that is going to destroy me. This is the one that is going to finish me off. And while we're in that washing machine of emotion and getting turned up and down all over the place because of the difficulties we're facing, somewhere in there, our, t our roles get messed up. See, instead of being the powerful person that God has equipped us to be, See, Scripture says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Instead of recognizing that we are powerful in any situation that we face, we become a victim of our circumstances. And the moment we start to position ourselves as a victim in that situation, we're beginning to set off on a path following the wrong role. Because when we're acting like a victim, you know what we'll mostly do? We'll sit there and we'll begin to judge in error. We'll begin to lash out at all the people around us instead of focusing on what we can do, what we can take responsibility for, to move out of that situation. Let me give you a great example. God. I thought God was supposed to be on my side. I thought God was supposed to be good. I thought God knows me, loves me, is by my side and wants the best for me. But God, he doesn't do any of that. Suddenly, I'm a victim who's demonizing the one good God who can help us in any situation. And suddenly, I'm actually not just demonizing God, but I'm judging God. I'm judging God's motivation. I'm judging God's desire to act. I'm judging his wisdom in that situation. And I'm saying, I, little me, who can't even really see what is going on all around me, think I know better than God. It's a problem with the role. See, God is God. I'm not God. God is the one who knows. I'm not the one who knows. My role needs to get corrected. See, if we think that God is the bad guy, 
we immediately cut ourselves off from the one who can help us. See, sometimes people find themselves in a difficulty. They find themselves maybe in sickness or maybe in a trial or maybe they're going through the toughest time of their life and they sit there and they say, God put me here. And it's fairly basic logic because God can do whatever he wants to do, right? So why doesn't God just help me out of this situation? Oh, he's not helping me out of this situation, so he's put me here. That's our logic. But our logic is fundamentally flawed. And we're going to look at what leads us into times of trials very shortly and how we end up where we end up. But it's really important that we get something straight, that God is Always, 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 always good. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who's there when you started off on that path. He's the one standing with you in the middle. He's the one when you get to the end showing you how you can become more Christ-like. He is the one that is overseeing that whole situation. But you, in that situation, have a responsibility. You have a role to play. You have some things that you can do to begin to partner with God to see you step out of that trial in an effective and powerful way. I want to read to you Romans 2 verse 1 through 11. It sounds like quite a strong passage, and it is a very strong passage, but it is so strong because it is showing us how much we need to get this role understanding correct in order to triumph in any trial. So I'll read for you Romans 2 verse 1 through 11. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds." Eternal life to those who patiently, by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish, on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For... There is no partiality with God. It's a powerful passage. But it's clearly delineating the fact that in any situation, it's the goodness of God which calls us to repentance. It's clearly delineating that the only righteous judge is God, the one who has righteous judgment, and we should not under any circumstances be judging one another or judging God, but rather looking to how we can align ourselves with the purposes of God again. See, sometimes, and it's, this is why we need the renewal of the mind, spoken about in Romans 12 verse two, this is why we need it, 
because we think of God as our dictator, our punisher, our judge, the one who's condemned us, the one who's put us under these terrible circumstances, the one who's purposed for us to end in destruction. We can easily sit here and say, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. It's an easy saying, but it's a difficult way of thinking. Do we ever address the issues that we have in our mind concerning the nature of the Father? See, God is not our dictator. He is not our micromanager. He is not here to sit over our shoulder and say, look, you did it wrong again. Look, you did it wrong again. Look, you did it wrong. Not at all. See, God intends to set us free from the control of sin. He intends to equip us with wisdom and with understanding. He intends us to walk in a relationship with him. He intends to counsel us when we need wise counsel. He intends to give us peace when we need peace. When we see scripture and the descriptions of the father of himself in scripture, I want us to get to this point where we actually believe that that is true about God. That every way that he describes himself is the way that we would describe him and we would validate it. I know that God is my peace. I have seen peace in the most difficult circumstances. I know God is my alpha and omega. See, I found him at the beginning and I found him at the end. Never at any point did he leave me or forsake me. I know that. See, that's what I would like for us to get to, to understand who the Father is right in the depth of our being. And we heard in there the word judgment. And we understand that God is the righteous judge. And it's really important that we understand this. God is perfect and so able to judge. Therefore, we're the ones that need to change. We're the ones that need to bend or be broken to following God, to following Christ Jesus. Well, that word judgment is still in my mind, Gabriel, because I hear you. God is awesome, powerful, perfect, all of these things. But judgment, let me help you understand what God's judgment over your life is. Not guilty. Let me say it again. His decision over your life, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, is forgiven. Wash whiter than snow. Not guilty. Son, daughter of God. That's the kind of judge that I want. The one when I was in the biggest mess of my life, still loved me and called me like he's loving and calling you, still desired the best for me, still believed that I would walk as a son of God, just like he believes that you'll walk as a son or daughter of God. And the perfect one, our example, Christ Jesus, is calling every one of us to become more like him. We need to, as imperfect ones, mold ourselves to the person of Jesus Christ. How does it happen? Right here in the core of this passage, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. The goodness of God. Sometimes we repent because we're afraid of punishment. That's not real repentance. Oh my God, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, save me. Oh my God, I've done something stupid, terrible situation. Everything in my life's going to be messed up. Jesus, you've got to help me, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with the responsibilities of a kid. I can't deal with the responsibilities of a family without a partner who's just gone off and done their own thing. I can't deal with the responsibilities of not having a job. Jesus, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. That's not repentance. That's desperation, but it's not repentance. 
See, the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. It's when we are in the most difficult situation of our lives and we see his grace. When we have messed up the most, made the biggest mistakes, made the stupidest decisions, we see God's grace. Now that goodness is what draws us to repentance. That goodness is what draws us to take on the yoke of Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, (coughs) and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what Jesus is not saying is that life is going to be perfect, everything's going to go exactly as we want it to go, every single situation is just going to fall because we look at it in Jesus' name. What he's saying is, whatever circumstance we're facing, whatever challenge is in our way, if we partner with Jesus and his way, if we partner with him in his wisdom, his understanding, his leading, then we'll get through that challenge. We will get through to the other side of that trial. We will get through to the other side of that difficult situation because we've partnered with Jesus. So important that we begin to understand that the Christianity is not about the easy life. It's about making it through the difficult life with the grace of God. It's about knowing how to walk in every situation that we face, knowing that he's with us, knowing that he's for us. See, Jesus is about, in his equipping us and enabling us with wisdom, with gifts, with freedom, with new status as sons and daughters of God, he is about enabling us to make our own decisions, but decisions that are aligned to his will to protect relationship with him. To protect our walk with him. See, sin is entirely offensive to God. He would have us choose not to sin, but rather choose righteousness because he wants us to walk in relationship with him. Just like you wouldn't say to your husband or wife, you know what, I'm just going to reframe how we do relationship. It's going to be an open relationship. I'm going to have other boyfriends or girlfriends, and you're just going to have to put up with it. Can you imagine that kind of a conversation? Firstly, you'd probably get slapped. But secondly, you would probably never be stupid enough to even think that that would fly. So why do we think that that would fly with God? God, you know what? (laughs) Uh, I just love this sin too much. I really want to have a relationship with you. Can I keep my sin? Is that okay? Can I keep it in the relationship? No. Why not? I really like it. It's great. No. Sin is offensive to me, son. Sin is offensive to me, daughter. That decision that you're making right there is going down the line of breaking relationship with me. Is that what you want to do? You then make a good decision. So we looked at roles. God is judge, perfect, enabler, and we always need to have him there clear and correct in our understanding. It's all revelation of scripture. It's really important. Because if we don't have God, then we don't have a way through. We don't have a shepherd who is going to 
bring us through to the other side. If we don't have God, we are just rolling around in that tumble washer, wondering where it's going to spit us out. So how do we get into these trials? I'm going to address five, and I'm sure there's plenty more, but I'm going to address five specifically. And I'm choosing these five because there is different responses that we can have to each one, which will enable us to get out of that trial. Okay? And so you will identify with one or more of these, and some good decisions on your part will enable you to begin to walk out that path with God. Number one, we live in a broken world. It by nature is broken. There is coming a day, heaven, and new heavens and a new earth, after judgment day. Not this side of it, after. That's where the world is going to be perfect. That's where there's not going to be any tears. That's where everything is going to be amazing. And we're going to stand in the presence of God and it's going to be so awesome. But right here, right now, we live in a broken world. People get sick. Our bodies are mortal. People get sick physically, mentally, emotionally. People around us don't have pure intentions. They have broken hearts or broken minds and end up breaking other people or trying to break other people. Broken world. You might find yourself in a current situation because of a broken world. We're going to look at how we can step out of that shortly, but I'm going to go through the five first. Second is sin. Sometimes we end up in a trial because we choose sin. Because we choose bad decisions on a daily basis which prioritize sin in our life rather than prioritizing God. Number three, sometimes we make repeated decisions which are counter to the will of God. Think of people like Jonah. They had a call from God. They knew they had a call from God, and yet they turned around and went exactly the other way. Now, Jonah is a specific image because he's a prophet who's called to prophesy to a people and share the forgiveness of God. And yet, the guy's so crazy, he doesn't want these people to hear the forgiveness of God. He wants God to judge them. So he runs in entirely the opposite way. Now, that's a blatant example, but what about you? What if you know that you've been called to serve God? And you might have been called to serve God right where you are in the place of your career. You might well have been. I don't believe that everybody should quit their jobs and become ministers. All of you should be ministers exactly where God has placed you. But some of us know that we have been called of God. And yet we run the other way. Even if we're called to minister in that environment, we run that other way where we immerse ourselves in our career. We immerse ourselves in busyness. We immerse ourselves in excellence. I'm going to be excellent in the office so that people have to come and ask me what is different about me that is making me be excellent in the office. Can I just say to you, please, that that's not preaching the gospel. It's nice. It's good. But they're most likely to see you and think it's about the money. He's doing that because of the money. He's getting paid more. Maybe I want to get paid as much as he does. That's not the way it works. Right where you are, you're called to minister for Christ. Right where you are, you're called to share the gospel. And yet we run ourselves the other way. I'm immersed in busyness and excellence, and I'm going to do it the best so that other people come to... Come on, please. 
let me ask you if, if you've been pursuing that, how many years now? Three, four, five? How many people are you want to Christ? Don't use that as an excuse. See, we run ourselves opposite to the will of God. Maybe you might be asked to preach the gospel, share the gospel in your workplace. Maybe it might end up in you coming up for a disciplinary. But in these days and times, do we follow the, the call of God? Number four, sometimes we end up in a trial because we have been isolated from the pack. There's so many illustrations about sheep that we could, could bring here. I mean, sheep are interesting things. Um, me and Rebecca were back at her parents' house last year, and her dad's got about 15 or so ewes and lambs running around in this paddock, and they wanted to move them out of one paddock into the other paddock. And there I was, you know, Superman, got my boots on, running around after 15 sheep. You see, you chase them down this side and you think you've cornered them and then you get them to come running past you and you want them to turn right, but they just keep going straight on. And then you end up running to the other side now and you end up shepherding them back and trying to bring them back in and you want them to turn left, but now they go straight on. They just do what they want to do. But say if it was a wolf in that place, what that wolf would do is run them around until they get tired and then just single one off. And all of the others, because they're sheep, they're running with the sheep, they all go. See you later, we're safe. One sheep back here on its own, wolf, dead. It's the only way that it ends up. Sometimes we are in a trial because we have isolated ourselves from our life-giving relationships. We have taken ourselves out of connection from the church, connection through the cell group, connection through regular service attendance, connection with real people who are on the phone really talking to you, not just the people that are sitting around you that you don't even know the names of. When we isolate ourselves from the church, we end up in a trial which we cannot face alone. We need people around us. And number five, sometimes we find ourselves in a trial because we're right in the middle of God's will. So there's five different examples there. The broken world, the choice of sin, the choice to go against the will of God, being isolated, cut off and alone, or finding ourselves right in the middle of the will of God. Sometimes it takes for us to actually be right in the trial before we begin to figure out that we're in a trial. Suddenly everything seems to be going wrong. You know, the characteristics and symptoms of a trial would be uh, opposition, limitation, desperation, prayerlessness. You find yourself with no strength. You find yourself with no direction. Those are some of the characteristics of a trial. And it might take us a few moments to actually discern that we're in one. But we need to identify what is going on. We need to begin to discern the trial so that we can begin to see how we can step out of that trial. Every trial brings with it a new set of facts. For example, if you fail your degree at university, like I pretty well did, told you that last time, the new set of facts that I had to face was instead of going in at graduate level 
jobs. I was having to go in at the baseline level job and then working my way up through whatever environment that placed me in. Now, that was my new set of facts, which I had to make a new set of decisions according to. I could have gone and sat in my room, I deserve to be a graduate. Why don't these graduate people want to give me a graduate role? Why don't they recognize the talent in me? Why aren't they giving me an opportunity? And began to see that situation pile on top of me, pile on top of me, and I'm not taking responsibility for where I am and stepping forward. Just like if you have an unwanted pregnancy, that's a whole new set of facts which is going to define the rest of your life. How are you going to make decisions which prioritize your future effectively with this new set of circumstances? You find yourself having lost a job. You find yourself having been betrayed and your partner left you, or you find yourself the cause of them leaving you. A new set of facts requires you taking responsibilities for those facts so that you know how to move out of the trial. If we're in denial, if we're in anger, I can't believe they did this to me. If we're in frustration, if we're trying to run away, you know what, this didn't work out, I'm going, I'm, I'm leaving my family. I'm gonna move countries. I'm gonna go to a different church. I'm gonna cut off from everybody that means anything to me. Those are all reactions that have nothing to do with enabling us to get out of a trial. And if we carry on along any one of those lines too far, we can find ourselves not being able to respond back to the call of God. The people of Israel, they went so far counter to the will of God that they found themselves running around in this desert for 40 years. That's not what I want to happen to us. So we need to remember something. In this situation, this perhaps a bit dark situation that I've painted for you, God has a plan. God has a purpose. So how do we, if any one of those five trials witness to you, how do we begin to step out? How do we begin to make our way forward in the right way? Well, if you're in a broken world situation, there's a great prayer that God's given us that we all know. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You find yourself in a broken world scenario, you start to pray our Father's prayer right there. Why? Because you're exerting dominion over the brokenness of the world. You're exerting the kingdom of God upon that current set of circumstances and saying, you know what? I know what I see, but I know what God has promised. I know what is right in front of me. I know that these are identifiable, identifiable facts, but they're only temporary facts. There's only one permanent fact, and that's that we're going to be with God in heaven. Everything else is a temporary fact. So begin to pray the will of God into that situation. Exert dominion through prayer. If you find yourself in a situation because of sin, and I think that this is pretty much 90% of the trials that you'll face because of sin, we keep returning to our mess. We keep returning to the old ways of doing things. We get out of one relationship. You know what? I'm not going to go back and do that again. I'm not, the first bad thing that we say is, I'm not going to let myself get hurt again. 
Well, that really means I'm going to protect myself. So even if I get into a new relationship, I'm never going to let you build a meaningful relationship with me. So we're never actually really going to get anywhere. And I'm predisposing this relationship to fail. Oh, but I'm, I'm not going to let myself get hurt. And then we get straight into that next relationship, get hurt. I'm not going get to get hurt. We keep going back to the ways of sin. Why? Because things don't change. We've looked in other, circum- other series about boundaries and setting healthy boundaries. But we need to recognize that when sin is driving us into a pit of despair, when stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision of going back and going back and go, and maybe it'll be different this time, God, and going back and going back. And God, why aren't you doing anything? I thought that you were supposed to be answering my prayers and going back and going back and going back. We need to stop and say, this is sin. And repent and walk the other way. We need to stop making bad decisions and make healthy decisions. See, God's grace and mercies are new every day. But the degree to which you walk in those grace and mercies is based upon your choice to repent. Now, I needed a lot of help with not making stupid decisions. And so the way that I got help was to ask my friends and my leaders in church a lot of questions which helped me to be, begin to build wisdom and to make sound choices. And some t- I know that sometimes those guys had to pray and fast for me. I was that stupid. They had to believe God. They had to organize special prayer meetings because I made that many stupid decisions. I know that you guys don't make stupid decisions, but you still need discipleship. You still need people around you. You still need that powerful verse in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another in the fear of God. When we submit to one another in the fear of God, we begin to make healthy decisions that are in line with the will of God. Not just, my will be done, God. I'm praying, but my will be done. But, God, is this your will? I'm taking counsel from my brothers who I respect, my sisters who I respect in the Lord. I'm taking counsel because I want to make a healthy decision. That's how we head out of that trial that is caused by sin. Number three, running away from the will of God. There's only one thing that happens when you run away from the will of God. You get tired, burnt out. I'm out of the ministry. I don't want to do anything to do, have anything to do with God. I might even stop being a Christian. That's where it ends up. Stop in your tracks. Say, God, what is it you're calling me to do? It looks difficult. It looks like I'm not going to like it, but... Help me. Help me walk with you. And you begin to see things change. And in that context, again, set healthy boundaries. Nobody wants you burned out dead. You're useless to everyone if you end up burned out and dead. But rather, set healthy boundaries so that you can be effective in your ministry. How to get out of trial number four where you've been isolated and cut off and been ripped apart by wolves. You reintegrate with the body. You come back and you say, listen, I made some mistakes. I thought I had all the answers and I didn't like the answer you gave me. I didn't like the things that you were saying to me. I thought I knew best, so I just went off to do my own thing. Come back with a humble heart. You know what? Jesus said that he's going to build his church 
through disciples. So I'm going to align myself to that vision. Jesus is building, so I'm going to be a disciple. Jesus is leading, so I'm going to follow. I'm going to be a part of what he's doing. See, it's so funny that we would imagine that God is going to do something individual with us. Everybody else, you've got to be part of the church, but just me, I'm separate. I'm, I'm different. I'm an individual. Listen, Scripture is very clear. The body is there for the edification of its members. Number five, if you find yourself right in the middle of the will of God, you know that you've been obedient to the word. You know that you've been walking in, a, in partnership with the church. You know that you're in scripture and reading your Bible and you just find yourself in the nightmare of a situation. Guess what? Look for God in that situation because he's there. I want to read to you of a simple story before, and the team's going to come back and lead us in worship. Found in Acts 16. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were in prison praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. When you find yourself in a difficult situation right in the middle of the will of God, you're there because there's people that God wants to introduce himself to through you. You're there because you're the only one in that situation who can connect with. Maybe you're going through a real difficult trial of sickness. Well, in that ward, when you go in to check in, there's people there that need to hear the gospel. Maybe you find yourself in, job, in, the, in work where you've been demoted for whatever reason and you find yourself alongside the caretaker who's about to kill himself because he's not earning enough and his family are about to leave him. And you can minister to him. Wherever you find yourself, there is somebody who needs to be ministered to. Whenever you take a decision, one of those decisions that I've talked about, five solutions to five trials, you are on your way out of that trial. It might take a time. Remember Joseph. Joseph had to go through about four or five different trials before finally he found himself right at the top. But you see, continue to make great decisions. Continue to, in any situation, identify. God is good. I have a role to play, to trust God. I'm in the middle of a situation that began over there. I don't even know where it's going to end. But I'm looking to God. I'm following God, and he's going to bring me out the other end. And I can guarantee you, can guarantee you that God's end purpose is more than you can imagine. God's promise is more than you can believe him for. God's desire is to see you experience something way beyond all that you've dreamed already. But will you get it right? God is good and I can need to follow. God is awesome and he's equipping me to walk in relationship with him. 
I'm not powerless. I'm not the victim. I'm not the one who's going to screw up my life. God is going to help me through. Amen? So I want us to stand together. And I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing a song that we all know. But I want us to really connect with God in this time. You guys good? Father, we thank you so much for what you've worked in our hearts, Lord, over these past few moments. You begin to highlight to us the solutions to our situations. And Lord, we know that it's not going to be easy, but we want to make a good decision to stop being the victim, to own our situation, and to move forward according to the wisdom that you put into our hearts. And Lord, we thank you that the path that you're going to lead us down is going to bring us to a place of breakthrough and to a place of glory. And we put our trust in you. We're not going to walk around in the 40-year wilderness. We're going to forgive. We're going to take responsibility. We're going to look to the future and look to you, the one who's waiting for us at that finish line and the one who's with us in the time of trial. We're going to see divine breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus.